Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We're working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today's program is another in our series that we're calling We Are MCU. It's a chance to get to know our organizers, leaders, and sustainers, and learn about what motivates us to do the work. And so in that vein, today, my guest is Thomas Payton, a volunteer organizer with the Juvenile Justice Task Force. Thomas, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So let's just start off with a little bit of background. Uh, are you a native St. Louis and did you grow up in this area? Born and raised in St. Louis, grew up downtown the Cochran Projects. That was just north of what is now the Dome, uh, the American Center, between, between uh, Cass and Carr, between 9th and 7th Street. And there, there are relatively new um, homes. I, when I say relatively, it's like 20 years now, isn't it, that they that are in that area? Uh, they tore down the, the Cochran, I guess, early 2000s. Yeah, almost 20 years now. I think early, mid 2000s, early 2000s. They tore the high rises down and built a new complex down there. So what, what do you do for a living? What do you, what's your day job when you're not uh, working with MCU? Uh, right now, I work as an emergency medical technician at uh, St. Louis Children's Hospital. Now, also, I'm, I'm a retired firefighter from St. Louis City. Okay. So I did 20 years as a firefighter in St. Louis City. I retired uh, in 2012. Okay, great. What was it that drew you to being a firefighter originally? Uh, you know, honestly, it was, it was just a, a stroke of luck. Uh, a friend of mine worked at the Galleria with me. We was uh, working in public safety. And he told me they were hired. And, uh, so I applied. And during that time, I had been going through a lot of different difficulties in my life. You know, uh, financially, was no stability. Found myself working and then out of work and on the streets, get myself in trouble. And so opportunity came about and, and it would change my life. So when did you first become involved with MCU? And, and, and why did you become active with MCU? <laughs> That's kind of tricky. <laughs> okay. I, uh, when I was in the fire department, I, I read a commentary in the American paper. And this young, this young gentleman by the name of Starsky D. Wilson had mentioned a three-page, a three-part commentary on, I guess, activism and, and, and how, how to find your place in there. You know, I knew some, some violent things happened in St. Louis. A couple of kids that got shot at one of the parades. And his, his commentary kind of lined up with some things that I learned as a kid in one of the community centers I, I attended. So I decided I'm going to start going to this church and, and check them out. I started going. I kept going back to try to prove that what they were talking about was, wasn't right. It, it seemed too, too genuine to be you know, like, like this, this can't be true. Mm-hmm. Can't be people just loving, this compassion, this caring about society, about community. You know, so I kept going. And I got hooked up with David Gert. And David and I just started having a meeting and just started conversating. And before you know it, David was winding me in. He got me involved with the men's ministry. And next thing you know, we are organizing a campaign against uh, payday lending. We, we were at, at the, uh, the opera house to get a petition signed to, to get the initial from ballot to, to, to raise, the, to put a cap on payday lending. From there, it just became like a, <laughs> just like just got drawn in. And, and just, just whatever they needed, some signatures, I got involved. 
at the Mike Brown. There was a young lady at the, at the uh, MCU by the name of Bettina Gray, who was doing a lot of work. And she attended St. John's as well. And I kind of shared some of my testimony with some members, but I was like embarrassed to share it publicly. And so she convinced me that I need to share my, my testimony as to what I endured as a youth coming up. She convinced me to do that, I think in, I guess, 2014 to 15 at the old St. Louis County uh, uh, Family Justice Center. And I shared that testimony and uh, I didn't realize the impact it had on other people. For me, it was just a sense of, I, this is what I do it. And I was used to it just self and just being my plight in life. Because I, people I grew up with, we all kind of experienced that. And we accept as being an unacceptable norm of, of being black in, 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 in America. And I didn't realize the injustices of it. And so when I had someone give me feedback, it really made an impact on, on how God has used me to, to share that story. So been involved ever since. That that's a pretty incredible journey. It it you were starting. It sounds like you were starting with being um, skeptical skeptical of even going to church. Is that what yeah, I was hearing? I've been out of church for a long time. Okay, I stopped going to church in like '97, and uh, I just had a lot of church hurt and and church distrust oh. in the institution of churches and people who I saw who went to church and what they said and what they did didn't line up. Mm-hmm. So I just I was very skeptical. So, so what was it that you found at St. John's that that kept you coming back and, and kept you engaged? Uh, the love that I experienced was genuine, and the the engagement in the community was 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 real. Uh, like I say, I, I grew up at this place. It was a uh, point nine Church of Christ. It was their outset neighborhood housing, and we had several facilities in St. Louis at the time. One was uh, Fellowship Center, which was downtown. We had uh, Dignity House, which was uh, like what we, we call West Side, which is like Delmore and, and Union. We had one North, which is uh, St. James, which was on uh, DeSoto, I believe, or college. We had Caroline Mission, which still exists, which is now Unleashed Potential, which was down on, uh, on at that time, I think it was on either LaSalle or Henrietta. And then they moved to, to the, the current place of Caroline. And we also had one in, in the Coursecourt Village neighborhood called Plymouth House, and that shut down in 76. But the, the director, Lou Hubert, just kind of just taught us about, you know, they didn't, they didn't throw church at us in a sense, but they gave us God, if that makes sense. They showed us what God love looked like by accepting one another, accepting people for their differences, for their flaws, whatever. You know, whether you were black, whether you were white, uh, Hispanic, Asian, we had a mixture of people come to the, to the community centers and to the camps and to the programs. And you know, we gave everybody, the, we taught us to treat everybody with, with sense of respect and respect our humanity and our dignity. When I heard Storsky's, when I read Storsky's article, it reminded me what Lou always taught us. By finding out what your place is, find out what your niche is and do your part. You ain't got to be the pastor. You ain't got to be the leader. You can follow by taking sandwiches. You can you can get involved by, you know, if, if, if it's holding a sign up or whatever your part is in this situation, find your part, your place and get involved. And so that's what he was talking about. He was saying, you know, there were, I guess, spiritual leaders, whether you were Jewish or Catholic or Muslim, what is your, what's your strength? Is your strength networking with other people? What's your strength? Find out how you fit in and get involved and do your part to change these things for the better. And so we had that march down to Penny Linden. I was like, these folks for real. They're putting feet on the streets instead of just talking about it, right? Yes, yes. Whether it's the payday lending or whether it's something else, what, what's sort of your most memorable action 
uh, with MCU and, and, and what happened in that action? I would say for me, the, the one that I guess most remember for me was doing the, the march. We started at Clayton High School and we ended up at uh, the Family Justice Center. And I gave my testimony there. Mm. That was my second time giving my testimony. But there, I guess it was because a lot of kids there. And kids were participating. We had built a, a makeshift bus with the boys in it. And it said schools, not prisons. And these kids were very involved. And I, I saw myself, I thought, I thought about the 10-year-old version of myself and what I would have wanted someone to do for me in the instance where I, I found myself being marginalized because of my color. And, and to, to find myself being, you know, kind of speaking up for them and being a voice for them and then to, to get the response I got from them was the most heartwarming and moving experience I've had in my life. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember the, the night of the, the verdict with Mike Brown and being at the church we were planning and watching how people hook, hook, hook on protecting businesses. That was impactful, but that, that, that really had an impact on me more than anything else. And it sounds like that and some other places you've, you've been asked to be vulnerable about, about your own life and, and be honest. And tell me about what that means to you to, to be sort of in a community that allows you to tell your story authentically and, and fully. It means everything. Uh, when I first got involved into church, I didn't grow up in church. I, I grew up, uh, my family grew up Catholic, but I didn't attend church. I attended Catholic school, but I wasn't really into church. And the closest I got from God was being at Fellowship Center and being in that community and those friends I established and developed over the years. And so I was in and out, you know, of getting in trouble, doing things, being a, being a typical mischievous kid, but not what I would consider the, like the bad seed kid. And I found myself in, in trouble at times, but it was always that community that supported me. And so as I got older, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just having that support and having that community around me made a difference in, in, in how I went forward. And so, I don't know, it's just, just, it's just so many things about having uh, someone give you a foundation that helps you to see, even when you find yourself in, in the worst part of life, at your worst point, that they support you. And, and that's what I had at Fellowship Center. And so getting to St. John's, I found that because, like I said, the first church I went to, I, I, I shared in a Bible study some of my past, and I, I, I felt immediately the distance from some of the members, how they kind of like all of a sudden became standoffish and suspect of who I was because of my, my background. And so even though they didn't personally say anything, there was some judgment as to my character. And so I made me feel uncomfortable. But at St. John's, as I shared my testimony, it was embracing. You know, to, to have your pastor tell you how much he appreciates you and, and give you a hug. So tell me about some of the things you've been working with uh, in the juvenile justice uh, task force uh, in the last few years. I know we've kind of been off and on because of the pandemic, uh, but what are some of the things you've been involved with with juvenile justice task force? Well, uh, I was with St. Louis City in, in, the, in the county initially working with, uh, with Morgan Davis working with them as far as trying to give access, what we, we call a parent, parent uh, center, trying to create space for parents to be able to share their, their truth and their, and their story. Uh, got involved with the JDI initiative, which is through uh, uh, Annie Casey Foundation. It's going to a couple of meetings and, and, and sit down, trying to get some changes in, out there in the county with, this, with the Justice Center as to how juveniles were being picked up things about adjudication and 
basically, like I said, given given chances, getting chances, sitting to the course, and that the, and and being a a uh, I guess a community witness for for that particular child, that the, let the judges know that there's somebody supporting this kid, and and just being able to like I said, give these these parents a voice, to be able to have agency to speak up about what they're going through from their experience, from their perspective as to what's happened with their child. Because oftentimes they don't get a chance to do that. So is there anything else going on at MCU right now that, that kind of has you excited that you're you're interested in and and just uh, really sort of energizes you? Well, quite honestly, since the pandemic, we are still working with St. Louis City Juvenile Courts and they got some connection with the judges there and got access to be able to come to the courts. Then it shut down. And uh, lately, since probably about July, August, I haven't really been actively involved much because I have my granddaughter and my wife is is, is uh, finishing up her, her master's degree. And so it requires her a lot of time. So I, my sister watches her a lot when she's not at school. So she picks her up and I pick her up. And so trying to give her a break, I pick her up from school. And when I get her, I'm doing homework. And then I'm getting her home. So I haven't been as involved recently, but I have kind of like stayed in touch with them. And so I know we, we, we started in the city courts doing a Know Your Rights training with the kids. And to my understanding, we've had 26 kids through that program. And we also been having a parent support group. Actually, we have, we have now two parents who were, who were initially, who kids were involved in the court system, who are now part of our Juvenile Justice Task Force. And we have two more parents whose kids have been in the system who were coming on boards, ready to speak and talk and, and get involved. So we're building, we building a connection and we're looking forward to building what is called a participatory defense program, which gives parents agency to be able to, you know, again, create the, the narrative for their kids outside what the courts create. Allow the kids to tell their story, to write a letter and speak for themselves as to who they are, who they character, what their character is outside of what the courts and, and the, the, the DJOs were saying by, by documentation, let them know who, who, who really is advocating for them and who's advocating for the courts. So they can have clarity as to where they stand in the system when they go before a judge, who's on their side and who's on the side of, of the state, so to speak. And that's the group that meets on Tuesday nights, correct? Correct. Um, so a, a lot of times, especially when we're talking about churches, churches kind of, and we talked about this a little bit before, um, they, they, they like to keep the public sphere separate from the sanctuary. And, and you know, that's not our job to, to get involved. Uh, for you, why is it important for us as, as church members and as people of faith to, to actually stand up and, and uh, you know, work on creating better systems? I, I think, you know, I, I can't go directly about a verse, but you think about the, the, the when, he, when, when Jesus told the people that, you know, what have you done? Those who do the least, do least for my brothers have done the least for me. I mean, so if you see someone in trouble and you choose not to try to help them out, how do you say that you're a follower of Christ when you, 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 you have agency and opportunity to access to help them out and you're not? You know, when, when someone is, is being marginalized, and someone is being discriminated against, someone is being treated differently simply because of their gender, because of their race, because of their age, because of their nationality. And you have a chance to be an advocate for them, speak up and, 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 and fight for what is right, what is morally and just for them. And you don't do that. You know, uh, to, to, to not do what I think as Amos said, to, what, does the, what does the law require? Do what is just, what is, what is, what is honest, what is right. And so we have an obligation to do what is just and what is right. And so if, if I see you as my neighbor, I can't say, well, oh, that white dude got knocked down. That ain't my problem. No, I got to risk my life to stand in, in, in the gap to make sure that you, that you don't get pulverized. Even if it means that I got to take the brunt of it. 
because that's what's right. I mean, how else can we say that some man 2,000 years ago up on a cross and died for us, but he didn't have to? He could have easily got down. He could easily did whatever he wanted to do. But he see, he got there, and he, he took his punishment, his pain, and he suffered. And, and he, he, they drained blood from him and sweat from him, and he agonized in pain for hours. And we can't sit that, take that outside of our comfort zone to see what is immoral and what is unjust and say that we are Christians. I think it's, to me, it just, it's, it's hypocrisy. And that was the problem that the young folks have with church today, and a lot of people have with church, but that we kind of separate that. But how do you separate? Jesus made a political movement. He came down the other side of Jerusalem with his group while the, while the Romans were coming on that side with their group, and they were proclaiming that here's the coming of the new, the new king. You know, what, what political can you be? To go into the temple and turn over, over the tables of something that was normally done to, to stir up animosity. How more political can you be? So you can't just, you can't just do it from the church. I had a gentleman, uh, Pastor Wilson and I went to the West Conference, and his friends had a uh, men's meeting. And so one of the guys asked, I told him my, my, my testimony. He asked me, so how do I reach these young guys who are on the streets? I told him, just start having a conversation with them. Just start talking to them, you know, don't don't try to buy them to church right away. Just build a relationship with them. And then as you build a relationship and they get inquisitive about what you're doing, invite them to church. I said, but you can't go fishing in stock ponds. You can get the fish you want in stock ponds. You got to go to the dark murky areas and you want to really get, to get the fish that you really want. Go to the murky areas. You're going to get the ones that are going to be beneficial. You gotta go to the you gotta go to the, the, the spots that no one wanna go to to get the biggest catch. Because that's gonna be the catch that's gonna be transformative. And that's an energy that's there and, and waiting, waiting to, to be activated, right? Right. And it's it also sounds like, you know, for you it's it's not uh should we, but it it it's the it's almost it's a mandate as a Christian to to work on justice. It's like what I'm hearing from you is that if you're not working on justice, you gotta you gotta start wondering, you know, what what are you at church for? Or what are you involved with with uh, the Christian movement for? Exactly, exactly. So it, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Um, uh, systems take a long time to change, if at all. So what what keeps you motivated? What how do you why do you keep coming back? I'm relatively young, at 57. But I have four grandsons and six granddaughters. My oldest grandson is 17. I have a 14-year-old grandson that's with me right now in the house upstairs. And my fear is that the, the callous cultists of society who only sees that color would eliminate the life of them. And, and I would have any choice in that matter. I don't want them to endure what, what I endure as a kid. Or I don't want them to endure Tamir Rice and then someone justifying their, their death by saying their blackness or their, their suspects acceptability is the reason for that debt as opposed to a system that is callous and coarse toward us simply because we look to be a problem. We look to be menacing even when we're not. And so I can't afford to, to, to truly step down. And so even though I'm, I haven't really been actively involved you know, with that, I've been networking with people uh, outside who are doing things with black boys and, and mentoring you and find out how I can help out even with just sending 20 bucks every now and then because I believe that we have to be able to, to find a, a place and space for our young boys, our young girls, and those who are being marginalized by systems to make sure they are safe. And we can't just, you know, constantly victimize them because of their, their situation. Now, I'm not saying that there's no accountability should be held, but if you don't do accountability, it goes all the way around. You can't just you can't just say, well, the person who did this, but well, who else is culpable in the situation? 
what culpability? Were you complicit in sitting back and watching the situation where this kid could have had, had a, a better chance and not did anything? And then once he this kid exploded, now you're saying, well, punish him, punish him. But you were culpable to the point that you saw this going down. You saw the house. You saw you saw the match being put on the house, and you didn't blow it out. You saw the fire start, and you didn't call it pity. Now the house burnt down, everybody's suffering. You're saying, oh, wow, somebody got paid for the suffering. But you had a chance when the match got lit. You had a chance to put it out, a call for help. You did nothing. And so in these kids' cases, we can't keep on sitting, watching the, the house burn down, then say, well, oh, wow, who's going to pay for this? We got to catch it before it burned down. So in the years that you've been active um, in the justice work in MCU, what is, what is something that you can point to that actually has changed or, or where, where we have, have made a difference? Uh, we, we can kind of get caught up in, in, in the long-term things. What are some victories that you like to point to? Raise the age. Even though they're, they're given a stack, raise the age was, was, was crucial. Raise the age to, to, to 18 from 17 was a child automatically considered an adult. And even that is too young, too low. There are some states who are trying to get 21, but at least that. Because a 17-year-old should not be in an adult facility, adult prison with grown men. 17-year-old still, I mean, I mean, think about it. When you go to college, you're 23 when you graduate most time. You're still just trying to figure out life. A 17-year-old should not be in, a, in an adult prison. So that was, that was very, very crucial for me. Uh, raise the wage. Get Bill got, got on. The clean night. Even though this government in, in Missouri undermined the, the, the constituency, and, 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 and trick us into signing a new bill, but getting clean initially on the ballot and getting it passed was to me, was, it, was, it was phenomenal because I worked my butt off to get signatures for that. And to see that actually pass, like, okay, even, even though they undermined us, that was phenomenal. So knowing that, that, that that's a, to me, I saw that as a threat. I saw that as a potential of how much power we could have. The fact that the U.S., that the Missouri State legislature did all the work they could to undermine the work we did. They are fearful that if we come together, you know, rural and urban Missouri, black and white Missouri, and, and stand up for morality and what's right, that they'll lose their power. And so they had to undermine us by putting this thing and changing the words and, and, and putting fear in people's heart. And so that was, for me, another thing that I think is very impactful because, you know, it passed. It passed by 56% in, in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. So that was something that all Missourians, not just black Missourians, it's not just Kansas City and St. Louis, but Missouri won it. Right. And so so that shows that even if it wasn't a victory in the end because they came back and changed the law on us, it shows the power that we have when we work together on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, you know, your story and, and growing up um, in, the, in the projects on the near north side in St. Louis, you've seen a lot in this town. Um, just... I guess a, a final thought is, you know, what, what any thoughts about, you know, that history of St. Louis? Um, do we, do we, what, what gives you hope in, in our city? Because we, it feels like we be, we keep treading a lot of the same water um, for the last 20, 30 years. Um, and just, I just want to get your, I guess, that long-term perspective of, of, where we are, what we still need to do. Well, I, I guess for me, a lot of my hope is in this young generation, a generation that myself as a 30, 40 year old, uh, marginalized and, and, and put down is the one that kind of originally opened our eyes and saved us. 
you know, think about what they did at Ferguson, deciding to say, you know what, this is it. Enough's enough. We had enough. We're not stepping down. We're not bagging down. I don't give a damn what you say, what you do. We're going to stand in the gaps. Mm -hmm. We're going to fight for those because we're going to have kids coming up. And our kids, are, I'll be damned if my kids go through this. That's what I got from that. So I think that is, is very powerful and that's very hopeful. Also, just seeing the 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 uh, collaboration now with different groups that probably at one time would not have collaborated, working to bring about justice in in this in this city and in this state. You know, I was at uh, a meeting with David out at uh, St. Charles, and we had urban and rural uh, uh, city educate with the educators, superintendents from these districts sit down with us talking to about about trying to change policies in the schools and, and policies that affect us in a way. You know, that that negatively have impact on African-American communities and on people mm -hmm. of color. And the fact that I was able to sit there, me, this this African-American kid who grew up, who was one time told by people in the community that I would be, you know, be, be dead or in jail. Or, you know, people thought that I was just number of troublemaker. My parents told me, the kids don't hang out with you. And here I am sitting with these superintendents and they're asking me advice as to what they think should happen. And so I'm hopeful in that. I'm hopeful in, and even though people were attacking to sure the fact that she's trying to do something, you know, I don't, you got to agree with everything she do, but the fact that she's trying this transformative change and we fought to get her and Corey Bush in office. And that's evidence of how we come together. I'm hopeful that if we can see how to use that power we fought for and to impact not just ourselves, but our communities in a way that benefits all. So that's my hope because I, I have to have that. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's gloom and doing and what the hell am I fighting for? Right. Why am I just going to get my gun and, 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 and be antagonistic and, and, and go that way? But it doesn't benefit nothing. Nothing comes productive out of that. So I have to have hope in that we have young folks who are awakened to a new civil rights movement, a new rights movement for, for not just black folks, but people, uh, uh, you know, in rural America, people who, who are transgender, people who are older and being more than last because of the age, people who are unable to get around and, and, and have mental handicaps, you know, all these things are coming to the forefront. And so I'm hopeful that, that people are waking up to these atrocities and, and, and fighting and saying, okay, this is what's morally right. And I ain't got to agree with you on everything. We can agree, disagree. We can work together to bring about the necessary change that needs to be done to make this a better place for our kids. And then uh, my last question is, is if you, if you were to meet just one of our listeners who's listening right now, what would you say to encourage them to, to participate in MCU? Look within yourself, find a way to get outside your comfort zone, to get past your own, your own challenges and your fears that I have, and figure out how you can help out. If it's just by, by greeting someone differently every day, inviting someone that you work with who's different from you to church, start off that way. Inviting someone who you probably wouldn't normally talk to, invite the church to a, to a meeting, have a conversation with them. Try to sit down and have lunch with someone who looks different than you, who, who, who think different than you, and just start building a relationship with that person. And, and, and that's sometimes just small starts. Sometimes just small, it's small things that build up. You know, a forest fire don't happen automatically by, by just a, a, a rage. It's start by someone dropping a small flicker, and that flicker turns to a flame. So just be a flicker. Be a flicker for right now. And, and allow, allow God to flame everything else. Be a flicker and allow God's justice to flame everything else. And you'd be surprised how it not only impacts you, but your family and your community. Okay, great. And, and we're going to bring our program to a close here. We, we're just about out of time. So uh, thank you, Thomas Payton, a volunteer organizer with uh, Juvenile Justice Task Force. 
And I wanna let everybody know if you're ready to join us in the work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484 or send an email to office at mcustl.com. You can learn more about us and contribute to Metropolitan Congregations United on our website, which is mcustlewis.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. Thank you.